Welcome to Eastgate Church. I trust you'll find this message inspiring and encouraging for you today. I'm just going to be sharing just a, a, a little scripture here from 2 Kings. If you want to turn with me, 2 Kings, and that'll be chapter 2. You always kind of set yourself up a little bit and uh, just encourage, put a little um, uh, notice on the notice board. And, um, and it just says, I, I just feel as if I've got a, a word of inspiration and, um, and I feel it's a relevant word for today, but I'd like to think that every word that I would hopefully bring would be relevant. But I suppose it's as relevant as you're going to receive it as I'm going to speak it. Amen. It's twofold. I want to say that again. It's, it doesn't matter how anointed and powerful a word I could speak, but if you've come and you've not got ears to hear it, it's going to go right over the top of your head or it's going to get in that ear, come out that ear, and it's not necessarily going to affect us. Everybody has a part to play Everybody's a part to play. You've got a part to play in coming to church on a Sunday, just as much as I've got a part to play if I would bring the word, whoever it would be bringing the word has got a big part to play, but you also have got a big part to play. I need to come with an open heart, with an open mind, and come in, in expectancy to say, Father, would you speak to me this morning? Would you minister to me? Would you, would you open up my ears to hear you? I say this most mornings in my hill. I say, Lord, open up my eyes to see that which is unseen and open up my ears to hear the still small voice of your Holy Spirit. Because many times we can miss the word of God and sometimes we can walk around and we don't necessarily see what's actually is taking place. And I forgot to just say a prayer. I believe there is going to be a vigil taking place today for Israel. It's 100 days today. And I better just pray for that there as well. So that's taking place today. And uh, meeting in Tel Aviv and they're praying to God, crying to God for these hostages to be released. Father, we just again bring Israel before you and we do bring the plight of these hostages before you. And we pray, Father, that they will, Father, be free. We pray, Lord, that you will hear their cries from the dark dungeons in which they've been hidden under the tunnels of Lord God Gaza. Can we pray, Lord God, that they will be found as David went to, Father, went after the captives of Ziglag and they took them all back again, we pray, Father, for those who are alive, Lord God, that they will be, Father, brought back again, Lord, in Jesus' glorious name. And we do pray, Prince of Peace, but Lord, we pray that you will fulfill your plans and purposes, and we pray, Lord, that Israel, Lord God, will be protected in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Just a couple of verses here, and 19, just reading to verse 22. <clears throat> And that's 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, Then the men of the city said to Elijah, some people will say, Elisha, please notice the situation of this city. It is pleasant as the Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, Bring me a bowl and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and he cast the salt there. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. And so the water remains healed even to this day according to the word of Elijah which he spoke. Amen. Glory to God. May the Lord help me just to even just to open that word up this morning. So we see here that Jericho again has been rebuilt. We know that Israel destroyed Jericho in Joshua's day and the walls came tumbling down and, and, and the whole, all the people in, in, in Jericho were, were, were totally and utterly put to death, all of them, and it was no more. And Joshua pronounced a curse over Jericho and he says, whoever would dare to rebuild this city, let it be the foundation we done with the death of his first son and when he hangs the gates and the finishing of the building of the city, it will be the death of his second son. 
Well, actually, in the second, um, uh, 1 Kings 16, there was a man called Heel, if I'm pronouncing his name properly, who actually rebuilt the city. And, um, and his first son died when he laid the foundation, and his second son died when he finished laying the gates, and he was from Bethel, and he rebuilt it. So probably Jericho has been built here about 20 years or thereabouts. I'm, I'm not sure, couldn't say for how long that was, but that was in the reign of Ahab. This man undertook to come and to rebuild the city. So we could say anywhere, maybe 20, just 20 early. So it was early days the city has been rebuilt and re-established. Hallelujah. And the first thing here we see here, it says, the city is pleasant, but the the water is bad, therefore the ground is barren. You know, water is a source of all life. It's the most important liquid in our ecosystem, the power of water. We don't realize it. Without water, nothing, nothing would exist. Nothing, even microscopic life would not exist. Water is the source of all life, and, um, and it's so important. In fact, it's strange to say, I don't know if they say, two-thirds of your body is made up of water. There we go. So there we go. So even, even we are not without it. So two-thirds of our bodies are made up of water, but everything relies upon water. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the great creator himself is the one who created this substance that we would know as water. That's why we're sending spaceships all over the place, Mars, you know, the moon, and, and they're always looking for water because if they find water, that means there must be life on that planet. That is the reckoning. So they're always trying to determine, is there water on the planet? Because if there's water, they would reckon then there must be life because water equals life. It is the source of life. All plants, insects, animals, and including we, cannot survive without it. Everything is dependent upon that. We see, then it says the water is bad. And I just looked at some of the, the great rivers of this world and the Ganges in India, you know, it's one of the, they say it's one of the, the most important rivers or the, one of the ones everybody would name. It's a very holy river where people are all, kinds of rites are taking place there. But it's one of the most contaminated rivers that there is in the world. It might be number one because there's millions of billions of people who are all going into that river. There's everything taking place and everything's getting washed. All the sewage is getting pumped into it. It's not a very clean place, unfortunately, India at this moment in time. And there's a lot of chemicals, there's a lot of plants, there's a lot of stuff, just rubbish getting constantly poured into the river. But unfortunately, if that's your only source of drinking water, you're not in a very good place. Hence the reason many people are dying because of the poisonousness of the river. A couple of other ones that probably come screaming to mind, and I had to look them up, there's a citrum, and um, I'm not... I think I'm pronouncing that properly. That would be in Indonesia. Then there's a Yellow River. That would be in China. And again, these rivers are polluted, but mismanagement. And it's again, it's all the toxic ways of companies and all of things. It's just getting pumped into raw sewage. Mississippi doesn't get a very good name either. And again, they're just being neglected as much as they're trying to clean them up. And there's a few others that we could probably fling in there. Actually, the Jordan River also comes in in the top 12. There we can see. And it's just man is not looking after the rivers and these rivers of life. They're very important to us. The ecosystem round about them, trees, grass, and all the fields. and Because everything goes into the river, and then everything gets, feeds off the river. So even animals are drinking the water of the river, so we can't escape it. So when they are drinking all of that water, that's going into their system. So when you eat an animal, guess what? It's in my system, isn't it? So, and that would be with vegetables and all of these things as well. So it's very important, rivers, and man is not making a very good job of looking after 
what God has given to us. And God told us to look after it. You know, God told us to manage the earth. Hallelujah. But because of man's greed and man's, and, you know, just uh, you know, not really looking for tomorrow, everybody's just interested in today. As long as I'm okay, sack tomorrow and sack your, your children and your children and your children's children. Amen. So we're abusing that which God gave us to look after it. And if we only did spend all our time and our money looking after our ecosystem instead of wanting to blow each other up and form all these bombs and all this means of this corruption, even chemical warfare, wouldn't the world be a wonderful place? We could have actually cleaned the whole place up and we could all be living far better lives if we actually probably then looked to look after which God asked us to look after. To love God, to love our neighbours and to take care of this world because that's what he put us in charge of. To take care of it, we were to be good managers and we haven't been the greatest of managers. So here we see here this city, it says the water is bad, hallelujah. But we know then that Jericho was probably under a curse because Joshua cursed Jericho, because Jericho was a very wicked place. And people are often saying, well, why did God say just going to annihilate everyone? Because you don't realize how wicked Jericho was. Human sacrifice, all kinds of evil and wickedness. If we think it's bad today, it was very bad in that day as well. Probably maybe worse. All kinds of things. Bestiality, all of this stuff was there. It was, it was, it was a terrible place. It was toxic. And Joshua cursed it. We saw whoever would build it. But I think there was a curse over the city of Jericho. And so we can see here, whether it's 20 years later, then we see here then Elijah comes into the city and he stays there for three days because we know when the Elijah was taken from him and, you know, and, and then Elijah takes the mantle from Elijah, it says there was 50 sons of the prophets who lived in Jericho. Isn't that amazing? Sons of the prophets, 50 of them. And they were determined to say, we'll go and find Elijah for you. And Elijah's like, forget it, guys. He's been taken up to him in the fiery chariot. Obviously, though, they wanted to go and say, but maybe get put down someplace. Anyway, he hung around in Jericho for three days. And some of us in this room, we were blessed because we were in Jericho, weren't we? We were, we were blessed to be in, that, in, in the West Bank area of Israel. So some of us were there just recently, actually. And, uh, and they went looking for him. And they came back after three days and says, listen, you know, we didn't find him. And he says, I told you not to go. You wouldn't find him. He's gone. Amen. Thank God. And now the elders of the city come to him and he says, listen, you know, they, they know the power of God is in this man called Elijah. And, they, and they're now coming to him looking for assistance and says, you know, but the water is bad. And, and because the, the water is bad, then the ground is barren. You know, there's, a, there's not much growth. Or if there is growth, it's failing. It's, they're not getting good crops. And everybody is suffering. People probably are dying early because the water is poisonous. It's, it's bad. And we can only imagine that is because of the curse that was upon it. And so therefore we see these things. So then Elijah says to them, bring me a new bowl and put some salt in it. And so the first thing he asks them to do is bring me a new bowl and put some salt in it. Hallelujah. Do you know, when I see this, it says, I've got down here, you know, God, we've got a part to play in miracles, brothers and sisters. Isn't it amazing that here comes a man of God, he could have just did, shoo, shoo, shoo. right, okay, that's it done. But he doesn't. Why does he ask him to go and get a new bowl and to bring salt? And we'll maybe try and unpack that as we move forward. Because there's a part for us to play. Later on, isn't it, remember the widow? And she's only, you know, and she, she asks him to do something. She says, what have you got in your house? What have you got? Well, I've got nothing. Well, about, I've just did this little oil. He says, then, thus saith the Lord. So God is going to use the little that she has. 
And we know the great one as well, the greatest miracle that some say ever maybe took place was for the feeding of the 5,000. And now we know that was a lot more than 5,000 people. And again, what was it? He says, well, what have you got? Well, we've only got five loads and two fish. Amen, bring it to me. So there's always a part we've got to play in a miracle. And I think sometimes it's good for us to know that. Sometimes when God's want to do something, you have to realize maybe I've got a part to play in it. Rather than we just sit back waiting for it to happen, we need to open up our ears and hear the still small voice. What's the Lord saying to us that could be the catalyst for my miracle? Amen. So we've got something to do. And I'm not saying it's always the case, but in many times it is. And so they asked him to bring a new bowl, which means it had to be pure and undefiled. What he was saying was it's not some old cracked pot, <laughs> you, know, or, you know, or some stained cup. You ever get these cups and you've been drinking tea out of it for ages and it's like, you know, scrubbing it. You need, unless you've got dishwashers, of course, these things are great things. I haven't, I'm still I'm scrubbing, scrubbing, you know, refuse to get them. I just think, but, uh, although Linda would probably um, be annoyed at that. She'd been determined, get yourself a dishwasher. I went, I'm the dishwasher. Well, so she keeps telling me. Amen. But so it had to be something that hadn't been used before. It had to be something that was undefiled, that hadn't been used, you know. It was a new bowl. Amen. Never, never, never been used for anything. I love that one when the Lord was coming into Jerusalem. It had to be a cult that nobody had ever ridden before because God was going to do something special, a miracle. When God's going to do a miracle, we want to use something that's been undefiled. It's not, as I say, some old bit of China. Amen. So glory to God there. And then he asked them then to what? To bring some salt and put some salt in it. And you think, what's all that about? Salt. You know, it's a substance that I'm, I'm sure it's, I don't know, the older I get, the saltier I get. You know, if you have... And I'm used to take a little bit of paper. I see the older I get now, it's like, <laughs> see, once you get a taste for this, it's like, and, but salt is an amazing substance. I mean, we, we take it for granted because we've got it just you know, off the shelves and we've got tons of it in the house. But back then, it wasn't so easily to access it, you know, I mean, and it would be an expensive commodity, so not everybody had it. But it is a phenomenal substance. Do you know, the Romans used to get paid in salt, and um, so they get paid some money, but they also get paid in salt because salt was a great commodity. It was a great preserver. You know, they didn't have refrigerators back in that day and you're staying in a hot climate. If you wanted to keep your food fresh, then you'd cover it in salt. Amen. And that preserved the life of the food. It sustained it. It was a cleanser. It's, it's powerful. The, the salt is so powerful, it's unbelievable. I remember, in fact, I was in Africa uh, with Ben Patu and I thought I had a wee poison bit in my lip. Obviously, I'm not a doctor by any means, and um, but it turned out it was an ulcer. And it seemed I tried to eat anything, I couldn't eat anything. It was like, ah, you know. And of course, Ben Batu, uh, being the man that he was, he goes like and he, slung, he flung some salt in the table and went, put some of that on it. And I went, what do you mean, Ben? I've got my wee, wee, had a wee tube of ointment for poison, in case I was getting bit by midges and all this stuff, you know. I mean, that's then they good. He says, you're wasting your time. He says, get the salt on it. So I remember doing that. Oh! <laughs> ah! He says, just keep doing it. So I did keep doing it. And guess what? It healed me. It healed. So the properties of salt are unbelievable. It's phenomenal, phenomenal substance. So we see here that there's something very special about salt. It's not just, you know, it's just some kind of corn or anything like that. There's something very powerful about salt. Therefore, that's why he asks for it. Glory to God. Leviticus 2 and 13 says this. When the Lord was 
asking for the Israelites and their offerings. It says, And every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offerings. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Did you realize how important that was in even more sacrificial system back there in Old Testament? It had to be seasoned with salt. Salt was very part of that. In 2 Chronicles 13 and 5, and the Lord was, you know, reaffirming David, it says, should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons, by a covenant of salt? You know, what was this covenant of salt? We know about the great covenants, Abrahamic covenant, Moses' covenant, we know David, the divinic covenant. But a covenant of salt, I think it's just making, it's a preserver. It will, it will last forever. It is, it's designed for last forever. So the covenant of salt was to say, when God made a covenant of salt, this is forever. This has been ratified forever. This is not just a, a you know, just a, a willing, you know, just a, a lukewarm thing. This is what God was confirming, a covenant of salt. Salt is a very important substance. And here we see Elijah's asking for salt to put within there. Amen. Do you know in Ezekiel 16, it would indicate that babies were rubbed with salt at, at their birth back in those days. Well, that's one for you's midwives. I don't think we do that these days. So when a baby was born, it would be washed and then they would rub the baby in salt. And um, it says that was a kind of preserver. It was a cleanser. But also it toughened the skin because the wee baby's been kicking about in the mother's womb. It's all nice and pampered and it's coming out. And it kind of gave them a little bit of kind of grit. I don't know. I'm, I'm only surmising these things. I, I did a wee bit of commentary on it. And that's what somebody else says. Don't ask me if that's true or not. But the baby would be rubbed with salt. You can read that in Ezekiel 16. In other places, that was like a cleanser, that baby. And there's something powerful about salt, just to make that so. There we are, we see there as well. So I'm the, I can't, I can't ask my mother. That's a silly thing, isn't it? Actually, she'll be, she'll be um, anniversary of her death is tomorrow. So my sister, no, sorry, Tuesday, my sister's phoned me and she wants to be at the graveyard. Now, I know my mother's not in a graveyard. And, um, but for my sister, she wants me to go up there with some flowers and we put some flowers because she would have been 90. On Tuesday. And um, listen, thank God, I was praying for the God to take my mother because latterly her life was miserable. I mean, utterly miserable. She had dementia and uh, she was getting very frail and her life was not worth living. Hallelujah. And I prayed, Father, please spare my mother. My mother was baptized in this tank. Hallelujah. I think Ian, Ian, Ian was one of the guys in the tank that baptized my mother. Amen. There we go. I think I found a wee picture not long ago. So I was in back there that actually was in the tank and my wee mother was baptized. So I believe I had, I had that confidence in me. My mother was saved. Hallelujah. Dementia kicked in latterly and she just lost the plot. But I tell you this, but she never lost her salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And she's a new life waiting for her. And she, her mind will be crystal clear. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. You know, death is not the end, brethren. Actually, it can be a kindness in some respects. In fact, Paul says, I would rather drop down dead. Well, Paul says, I'd rather fall asleep now and go. Because he had a little taste. If he was a man that was caught up in the third heaven, he had a little taste of it. And he went, I, I, I want to go there now. But I'll have to kick around down here because God has got unfinished business with me. Hallelujah. Of these things. So we can see that. So we now he says, to put the salt into the bowl. To God, I mean, it's amazing how, and, and that's just him being led by the Spirit, by the way. This isn't just probably something that he is cooking up, you know, and having a little thought, and you know, how we're going to deal with this. This is something that he has seen here. And then he says, Now he goes to the source of the water. Glory to God. 
know, I've got down here, you know, whenever we, you know, have problems, you know, we need to go to the source of the problem. You know, we need to go to find the root of the problem. You ever find you get problems today? Sometimes we dance around the problem and we don't actually go to the problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember thinking of the word procrastination. And I always thought procrastination was sitting in your backside doing nothing. You know, just, you know, just, just. No, procrastination is actually not doing the main thing, but it's doing all the secondary and the third things. It's doing the other things, but you're not actually doing the main thing. Because usually the main thing's a bit of a hassle. And you don't really want to do that. It's, oh, I don't even want to think about that just now. So I, I distract myself with doing this, that, and the next thing to distract myself from doing the main thing. Usually I'm going to say, I need to clean the house. It's an absolute mess, but... No, I'll do this and do that. I'll, I'll wash the car or something like that, you know, just using it. Because you don't want to do that because it's a hassle and you put it off and it can only get worse. And so we can see here, it says, he goes to the source, to the root of the problem. And this is what we've got to do as well, brethren, if I wanted to bring out that as an illustration. Sometimes when things isn't just quite right, I need to go to the root of the problem. I need to find the source of the problems. I need to go back to the actual source of that particular problem. Amen. Just as you get ill, you'll go to a doctor and he will actually have to do all these tests because what we need to find is we need to find the root of the problem. Sometimes somebody can maybe have cancer in a part of their body, but that actually is not the main source of the cancer. What he has to find is where is the main source? That could be a spur that's come off. What they have to find is we need to find the main source, amen, of the problem. Glory to God. And here we see that. And I just, I, I just see how that it says. Now, because he just didn't fling it into the wind or, or just walk up to the source of the water and fling it into a wee stream and says, well, okay, that will do it. No, he goes to the root, to the source. And I believe that the Lord would speak that to us as well whenever we get these things going on. He goes to the root of the problem. And then he casts the salt into those waters. Glory to God. He casts the salt upon it. Hallelujah. Just flings it into the water. Glory to God. But that in itself is not what's going to heal the waters. The casting of the salt and, and the new bowl and casting the salt in is actually the word of the prophet himself that's actually going to do the business. Because once he casts the salt in, he says this, thus says the Lord, hallelujah. Do you know, we need to be careful sometimes and I have to speak to myself as well sometimes that you know, we can be sometimes, we can speak over somebody Let's be very careful that what I'm trying to speak is that I'm really sensing it's from the Lord. Now, that means, you know, I mean, you would do nothing if you went, you know, I'm not quite sure. We have to get in the right place with God. But let's be careful the words that come out of our mouth that we want, especially we say, thus saith the Lord. And I'm very careful if I feel the Lord is, is giving me a word to bring to the congregation, I would say, I feel the Lord is saying this. But you know, many as have been around the church a long time and we remember the, somebody will stand up and his whole voice changes and his demeanor changes and it's, thus saith the Lord, as if it's got more impact. Well, I'm okay with that if it is a thus saith the Lord word. But you can also, I would always be hedging myself and say, I feel God is saying this, amen. And, um, and then we have to let that weigh, you need to weigh that. If somebody comes up to me and gives me a word, then I would have to, it's good for you to weigh that word and to hear that word, Amen. And the proof is the pudding if it will be fulfilled. I love this man now, you know, he's, this is probably, I was going to say his first miracle. This is the first miracle. Now he has the anointing from Elijah. And now this is his first real miracle here. Glory to God when he heals the waters of Jericho. Glory to God. And I love this. He says, he says this, I've already read. 
The Lord says, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. That was it. These waters are healed now. Thus saith the Lord, the waters are healed. And it was the spoken word of the living God that brought life to these waters. Now we don't know what was taking place in Jericho, but they says there's no more death. Maybe people were dying early because the waters were, un, were unclean. They were diseased. The, the, the fruit trees, the, the, the agriculture just was not flourishing. It was not producing crops. And the source of everything was, it's the water. Because that's what feeds the agriculture. So you have to go to the source. So the water was a problem. The water was bad. Amen. And we're only, I don't want to be reading into anything. I'm just saying then that the Lord had cursed Jericho. Therefore that curse was still lying over it. But now here comes the man of God. And it's God who directs the man of God. And he finds himself in Jericho. There's 50 sons of the prophets who dwell there. I'm sure they'd be crying out to God as well. And now God is going to reverse the curse. And he's going to speak life into this situation. Glory to God. No more death or barrenness. Glory. Hallelujah. I'm sure every single one of us would love to hear that word spoken into our lives and different things that's going on in our lives, isn't it? And just to hear that spoken word of the Lord. And thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, in Matthew 5 and 13, Jesus says this. You are the salt of the earth. Isn't that interesting? Jesus now emphasizing salt again to us as we move in. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He says, you are the salt of the earth, which basically means we are the preservers of this world. This world doesn't know how fortunate it is to have the church of the living God dwelling in this world. If we were not in this world, I want to tell you this, this world, as bad as it is, would be exceedingly bad. Because we are the salt of this earth, Hallelujah. The church, the impact that we will have, that God wants us to have, were preservers, that were able to sustain things, were they able to bring healing into situations. And Jesus has asked us to be what? The salt of this earth. But he says, be careful, for if it loses its saltiness, he says, then it's worth for nothing. It hasn't, it's lost its property. It, it hasn't got that flavor anymore. Amen? It hasn't got any healing properties. It hasn't got anything about it. It's lost its goodness. And we need to be very careful with that. Mark 9 and 49 and 50 says this, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Jesus again, salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you re-season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Jesus said, have salt in yourselves. Amen. Have salt. I mean, Jesus uses that as an illustration. If we were living in Jesus' day, our ears would be not a problem. We understand the, the dynamics of salt the importance of salt. The Romans were getting paid in salt. People would have been fighting for salt. Amen. We just take it for granted. But in those days, they knew the properties of salt far more than we do. And they knew the importance of it. So when Jesus was saying these things, they were very much aware of what he was saying. Have salt in yourself. Amen. Have that saltiness. Have those qualities within you. Glory to God, the qualities of salt, which are very, very important. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, it says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you mean? You know, the Bible calls we are jars of clay. That get, you get over yourself, eh? <laughs> That's who we are. We're jars of clay. So you can think of yourself, if you ever think, God just sees you as a clay jar. You're a container that he wants to 
have his spirit within. Amen. So we are those jars of clay and we are the ones that should be the containers of this salt. Just going to read a wee portion there. I'll, I'll, I'll jump up there. I'm reading scriptures. I just, I've got them on the iPad, but I'll read them from the, the Word of God here. So 2 Timothy, and, um, and we'll just read a, a little verse here in chapter 2, two verses. 2 Timothy said this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for, for honour, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And so he likens us to be a house. There's, 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 there's things for noble purposes and there's other things for, for dis, ignoble things, other things, just basic things. Amen. Get myself twisted in my words. But there's things there that's for used for noble things, for purposes and others, just for running the mill days and chores. It says, if the latter will cleanse itself and prepare itself, then it will become far more useful to the master. And the master then will elevate that and lift it up to a higher place. And you become more useful to the master. And I've always seen that, even as myself. And then, you know, that if you want God to use you, then you actually better start getting yourself cleansed and prepared that he can use you. I mean, it's okay to say, here I am, Lord, use me. And God says, okay, prepare yourself and I will use you. Change, be transformed. Get yourself to a, a, a different place and then I will use you. Hallelujah, glory to God. Do you know, it's not rocket science. God is no respect to the people. But God will use anyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're an old scrubbing brush in a, in, in a toilet, and a lavatory. If you will get yourself right with the Lord and if you will dare to draw close to God and say, God, here I am, and you begin to cleanse yourself and prepare yourself, then the Lord will take you from that lavatory situation and he will lift you up and all of a sudden you'll find yourself on the mantelpiece. <laughs> pride of place. What is it about a mantelpiece? It's the pride of place. You become more useful to him. Why? Because you have done something about it. He says, Lord, I want you to use me. Please use me, Lord. I'm going to prepare myself so that you can use me. I'm going to draw close to you. Hallelujah. I'm going to humble myself in your presence. Father, do your work in my heart. Hallelujah. And then I start pulling closer to the Lord and pulling closer to the Lord. And I'll say this again because it's not rocket science. You want to get close to the Lord? You start getting your knees in prayer. You start getting yourself into this word. You start switching off that Google box, whatever it is, whether it's in an iPad form, whether it's on an iPhone, or whatever it is. Distractions. Distractions from the main thing. Get yourself into this word. This word. And get yourself on your knees before God and begin to pray this one. Say, Father, do your work in me. Hallelujah. Let this word become life to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And fall in love with it. And you'll find yourself falling in love with God. And you'll find God beginning to use you and encouraging you. Hallelujah. And to me, that is what it's all about. That's what our life is like in this earth, is to serve the living God. Amen. That's, what our, that's why we're here, is to serve him. Because he wants to use us. Because we are salt. Amen. Go down here, the Lord is looking for cleansed vessels who will purify themselves for his glory. And I just came out in a wee bit abstract way there as well. You know, I've prayed this prayer often on my mountain for many times, hallelujah. Because what I'm going to say here is there's something very powerful here about the, the man, the prophetic man turning up at Jericho and speaking the word of God. 
I pray this prayer often when I'm up there in the hills, amen, and I'll, I, I say this and I cry out to them, God. I say, Lord, send the prophetic word to Scotland. Send the prophetic word to this land of Scotland. We need the prophetic word again to come into our land. We need the prophetic word. We need, we, need, we need the power of the prophetic word again to come into this nation and speak to this nation. And I'm talking about anointed, powerful word anointed by the Holy Spirit to speak life to a dead nation. Our nation is dead. It's dead in sins and trespasses. This nation is cursed. This nation, Scotland, is cursed. Cursed. Do you know why it's cursed? Because we rebelled against the living God. Do you want me to tell you it's cursed? Because we are teaching perversity in our schools. Because we are teaching perversity. We are promoting sexual filth and immorality. Because we are killing our children. We are, as a nation, our nation is cursed because we've turned our back upon the living God and we are walking in disobedience and rebellion. Therefore, we're under the curse. Deuteronomy 28 says, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Oh, brother, but that's the, that's the Old Testament. Well, we're in the New Testament. So the New Testament says, live any way you want, but don't worry about it, everything will be fine. No, it won't be fine. It won't be fine. Just need to read Romans 1, hallelujah. God turned them over, God turned them over, God turned them over, three times. And twice of them it's talking about sexual filth and immorality and perversity and things that should not be done are getting done. Is that not the nation we're living in just now or is it me? Am I, am I, am I seeing things through wrong glasses and reading the wrong papers? Am I not seeing these things? But I want to say something with an encouraging note to us. Because it just hit me a little bit when I was sitting there. Do you know that? Just before we get to this point, it says, Elijah had his eyes on Elijah, the prophet who had the mantle, had the prophetic word, a man in tune with God. And he says, I want a double portion. He says, if you see me before I go, he says, then it shall be yours. And glory to God. He did see him. Hallelujah. And it says his mantle, his cloak came down. And Elijah picked it up. And then we know he just, he strikes the waters of the Jordan and says, where is the God of Elijah? And the waters parted and he crossed over and everybody went, oh, the anointing of God is on Elijah now. Somebody's picked up the mantle. Do you know that this nation, Scotland, was a prophetic nation? Do you know that this nation was a powerful prophetic nation? And it wasn't just the man peeding. I've got a book that Glynis blessed me with. And I've got another book somebody else blessed me with in Reese Howells. But you want to know that this nation once was a prophetic nation. Powerfully used by God. But you know what happened? See that anointing? We lost it. We lost it. It fell. It fell. It fell. And there was no one to pick it up. We lost, we've lost our anointing, brethren. That prophetic anointing has been lost. Hallelujah. But it's not gone completely. It's just been lost. And this is what's in my heart. This is, I'm just sharing my heart. And, and this is not stuff like off YouTube. And maybe it's on YouTube. I don't know. There's ton, tons of stuff there. Or, or, or reading somebody else's book. But this is why I pray when I'm up there. I says, Lord, open up Obadiah's caves and open up Abs Adullam's cave. Now we know that. When Jezebel was killing all, all the churches, when she was killing all the prophets deliberately, why? What did she choose to kill the prophets? The word of, those who were carrying the word of God. Amen. She deliberately went after to kill the prophets and filled the land full of false prophets. But Obadiah, when Elijah eventually turned up after three and a half years, he says, I've hidden 50 prophets in one cave and 50 prophets in another cave and I've been feeding them and taking care of them all this time. Hallelujah. 
And I've got in my heart, I know God placed some in my heart. See this anointing that this nation has lost? It's hidden and it's waiting to get found. It's not gone. Does that make sense? It's hidden. We, 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 we let it slip through our fingers. But I want to tell you this, but it's not gone. Do you know why? Because God is faithful. God is, God is, God is, God is faithful. And God remembers the sacrifice of this land called Scotland. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's waiting to be found. Therefore, I say, Father, open up Obadiah's caves. Amen. Isn't it interesting? There was 50 in one cave and 50 in another cave. And who was in Jericho? 50. 50 sons of the prophets were in Jericho. Amen. Glory to God. And that number 50 is what? It's a jubilee number, isn't it? Glory to God, there's something special with the number of 50. Funny how there was 50 there and 50 there and there was also 50 prophets here in this God-forsaken place called Jericho waiting for the time when the prophetic word was going to come and then the prophetic word comes through Elijah. Hallelujah. And he comes and he speaks. He speaks life to this nation. That's why I says, Father, you need to send the prophetic word to this nation to speak life. There is something powerful with that prophetic voice, brothers and sisters. And I don't care where it comes from. You know? It can come from a donkey for all I know. Thank God God can use a donkey. But this nation is waiting to hear that voice that I believe that God is going to speak. And see, when that voice speaks to this nation, I want to tell you this, this, this nation will hear that voice. It might not be very happy with it, but it will hear it. It will hear it. And we need to see this nation, life, we need to speak life to our nation. Life. Because just now, our nation is barren, and it's bad. And I think we can all agree with that. I'm not the only one. Is anybody here would like to say that Scotland is a glorious, wonderful environment? I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective. We can say it's bad. And it seems to be bad. And then nothing seems to be happening. And even with all the best efforts of the churches, churches are still closing. Ten to the dozen people are still leaving. And probably a bunch of people are sitting in church are dead as dodos at the best of times. Let's be honest. And I'm not going to take myself out of the equation. I'm not here pointing fingers. I'm just seeing the reality of what it is. But this nation prays, brothers, and I want you to pray. See this year just now, I want us to really intensify our prayers. Father, send the prophetic voice to this nation again. Hallelujah. Send the prophetic word to our nation. Hallelujah. That's why I'm praying for that. That word's going to come. And it'll be different from any word this other nation's going to But I want you to tell you this. I will cut through this nation like a hot knife through butter. Glory to God. And it will cut into the hearts of our people because they're cold and indifferent. I'm out there in the streets, friends. I mean, my words are like they, they fall to the stones. People walk by you and give you dog's abuse. But I'm praying for that to take place. And I'm thinking that, Lord, you need to do something. And I'll finish with this. Glory to God. I could say a lot of things. And I'll stand by those words. I believe there's a curse of our nation. And the reason there's a curse of our nation, we rebelled. We have, we, we have turned our backs upon God. We, we, we've rejected God. We said, God, we don't want you. You're not our God anymore. Uh, Scotland used to be land of the Bible. Aye, okay, aye, aye. That's for the history books. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is who we want to be. And not only as bad as that, and I could say a little bit more, and I will say this, Scotland wants to lead the charge now. I mean, England has to restrain us because we want, to, we want to go, no, let's reduce it to 16. Three months, a man can sign them off as a woman. And England had to restrain us. How sad is that, isn't it? When Scotland once was the nation, and Britain actually was the nation, it was a national covenant that we took down to England in 1943, the Solemn League Covenant. It was the Scots 
Who actually had the national covenant made a covenant with a living God? And it was a glorious covenant. And we were the ones who went down and sorted out the English when they wanted us to join the battle, Cromwell. And we said, well, we will join with you against this corrupt, wicked king. It says, only though that you will enter into a covenant with us and join, in, join with us with God. Hallelujah. And then when they went down there, they got it all ratified. And that's when the National, the, the Solemn League and National Covenant was established, 1943, with English and the Scots. Glory to God. But we were the driving force. Now look at us. How sad. How sad indeed. But it's not the end of the story. Amen? It ain't the end of the story. It's not finished because God's got unfinished business with this land of Scotland. I believe it and I'm trusting God for it. Hallelujah. Because there's something hidden in the nation and it's just waiting to burst out. Hallelujah. And we need to cry out to the living God. Open up these caves, Lord. There's something hidden in the nation. Glory to God. That's why I was away down to Peden's Cave. Never got to Peden's Cave. I got to Peden's Cove. But my plan is I will, get, I will be going to his cave. And, but he had a couple of caves because he lived out there on the sticks because he was a hunted man. Couldn't, constantly hunted. Living out there in the, in the wilderness. Living in caves like foxes and badgers and all kinds of animals. And that was his life and it took its toll upon the man. But glory to God. But God used the man powerfully. Hallelujah. So let me finish here. Let me just have a wee look at the, the watch. Praise the Lord. I want to be true to my word. I'm not going to go beyond time. So this is it. Our waters are polluted and they've been polluted by this world. But we need to get these waters cleansed. And I've got another one on the whole cleansing of waters and wells and I'll bring that out in the next week or so because I think it's relevant. But my prayer is I offer up the prayer to the Lord as Martha and Mary often did when Lazarus, their brother, was on his sick bed. And I stand before the Lord and I say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Come and heal us. We need you to come and put your hand upon us and heal us. Lord, we're lying in a sick bed. We're lying. We're a sick people. We're a sick church. We're a sick people. The one that you love is sick and we need you to come and put your hand upon us and revive us. We need you to come and raise us up. That's Scotland. I believe God's got a love affair with Scotland. I believe God is still loves the nation. But his anger and his wrath is against us because we're wickedness. Because listen, God will, God will never bless wickedness, brethren. You, want to, you, can, you can sin as much as you want. God will say, right, okay, carry on, I'm off. And you will reap the benefits of that fruit that you are going to be sown to the flesh. But I want to tell you this, God has got a, a, a love affair with the land of Scotland. And I believe that deep within my heart. And I believe that God is still going to do something in my nation. But he is looking for clay jars that will cleanse themselves and start filling ourselves with salt again. Amen. Let's get salty. Let's get salt again into, as Jesus says, get yourself some salt. Amen. We've lost our saltiness. We've lost our, you know, our, you know, our dynamic, our warrior spirit that Scotland was known for. We were known as a warrior nation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're known across the world for it. And did I say, dear Ariana and Manning, do you know that there was a great relationship between Scotland and Holland? Holland became a haven for us Scots. It was, it, 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 our Scottish covenanters went there in droves. And it was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a wonderful place, the relationship between Scotland and, and, actual, and Holland. Hallelujah. I need to go and visit Holland sometime. <laughs> Keep me away from Amsterdam, but we'll be okay. We'll go, we'll go someplace else. Anna Frank's house and these places, but I'd like to go to some other places where they became haunts for the Scottish Covenanters and just go and just experience a little bit there as well. Hallelujah. Maybe bring something back, as many others did. 
So that's a prayer. And I want to encourage you in your own prayer as well. You know, and it says, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Please come and heal him. And we know that Jesus delayed, but he did come. Remember this, Jesus is never late and he's never early. Just at the right time. I bet he was four days dead, just at the right time. <laughs> because one of the greatest miracles, and after raising Lazarus from the dead, I want to tell you this, thousands of people believed in him. Because everybody realized the spirit, the dead, the dead person's spirit could kick around for three days, but after four days, he was gone. Interesting enough, Jesus waited to the fourth day when it was completely impossible. Even so, no, 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 don't, don't take the bandages off him, he stinks. Do you know what you're doing? He says, didn't I tell you I'm the resurrection and the life? Hallelujah, glory to God. And I've got power over death. And he demonstrated that, hallelujah. Brethren, I say that prayer for Scotland, but maybe you could say that, you, you could even say that prayer to yourself, Lord, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> Lord, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, Lord, I'm, I'm sick, I'm dead, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I need you to come and revive me. I need you to come and speak your word to me. I need you to come and just, you know, breathe new life in me. Hallelujah. So you could use it personally if you're in that place. I like, I like to use it nationally for the land of Scotland. Hallelujah. I might say, Lord, you need to come, you need to come and do something because see if you don't, we're dead. I mean, we literally are. And then I encourage myself, but even when dead, Lord, you can, you can raise us up. <laughs> so there's hope. There's hope. Glory to God. But God is looking for vessels and that's my word to you today. And if you think it's inspirational, I trust you think it's inspirational. It's meant to be inspirational. Sometimes you've got to look at the source of it and the source is you and the source is me, brethren. It takes you getting before the Lord and it takes me getting before the Lord. I can encourage you to, I'm blue in the face. Bottom line is this though, that I'm trying to stir within you to something to say, do you know something? You know, I'm not where I should be, but I'm going to get there. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get myself prepared for the Lord and say, Lord, can you use me? Well, here I am. <laughs> Just to be Polish. <laughs> Cleanse me in the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. When we are cleansed in the blood of the Lamb, I want to tell you this, is there's nothing that can, that you are completely and utterly spotless. I don't want to say that. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done in one thing or another. But with all sincerity of heart, you come before the Lord and just say, do you know something, Lord? Cleanse me. I bring myself before you. I open up my life to you. Father, forgive me. I'm, I've, I maybe not been, I've not been in the place where I should have been, but I'm bringing myself back into that place. Cleanse me with the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you this, He will cleanse you completely and utterly. Amen. Thanks for watching. If you've been challenged today, then please drop a message so that we can help support and pray for you. And also, remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss the next message.